to me, defunding the police is about restructuring our public safety budget, putting the public back in public safety and investing the things that actually keep us safe. It's not abolishing the police. We need to deploy the right type of professional to the right type of call so police can get back to doing police work and solving violent crime. I'm Sarah Fetsky. This is St. Louis on the Air. We're sitting down this week with each of the four candidates for St. Louis mayor in one-on-one interviews, and today's guest is the city's treasurer. I'm talking, of course, about Tashara Jones. She came within 880 votes of beating Lyda Krusen in the Democratic primary four years ago, and she's looking for a different outcome this time around. She joins us today to discuss her plans to do it and what she would do if elected. So, Treasurer Tashara Jones, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you were so close to winning in 2017. Has it been hard to see so much happen in the last four years and just not have control over it? Uh, You know what? It has been hard, uh, but I can only uh, control the things I can change and, um, and and not worry about the things I can't. So I've tried to just kind of stay in my lane over these last four years. Hmm. Has that been um, to give Mayor Krusen the room to do what she needs to do? Or is that just more a serenity prayer to, to keep yourself uh, from, from getting uh, <laughs> upset? <laughs> I, I would say a little of both. Uh, you know, I have to, I have to uh, go to prayer for a lot of things. Um, uh, but also, you know, she uh, was the mayor, so giving her room to to lead and to uh, and to be mayor. So, what's one specific thing as you look back at the last four years? What's one thing you would have done differently than what Mayor Krusen has done? Um, I would not have read uh, the names and addresses of people who sent me letters about defund the police uh, ah. live on the face on Facebook. Yeah, um, it seems like you could have avoided a major controversy by not doing that. Yes, absolutely. Um, And, you know, people have the right to petition their government uh, when they are pleased or displeased. Uh, And and I believe that there is a way to handle it where people feel like they're heard and respected. And uh, that was a major foil for the administration. Hmm. I know that was something that it it certainly caused some rough waters there for quite some time. Is there anything you look at that she did in the last four years where you think, you know what, she got this thing right? Um, I am hopeful. Uh, I'm watching the uh, cops and clinicians program. Um, and, you know, I was calling for social workers in the police department since 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hopeful uh, that that program will have a real difference in the response that people receive from um, from our public safety department. And do you have the sense that's gotten off to a good start? Uh, it's supposed to start Yesterday, I believe. Oh, uh, wow. So. Okay. I didn't realize that timing. So it's too soon to yeah. judge, safe too to say. Too soon to judge. Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, the pilot program that they did in the North Patrol uh, showed that almost 50% of the calls could have been answered by someone other than police. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, you know, some pretty good satisfaction rates uh, based on the uh, officers that I spoke to uh, that were over that that uh, pilot project. Mm -hmm. Seems like such a hopeful thing. And I guess that leads us right into one of the big topics that all mayoral contenders have to contend with time and again. Everybody's asking public safety. What are you going to do about it? Obviously, the city has a crime problem right now. What what would be the first thing you do if elected to take that on? Uh, uh, First off, I would put the public back in public safety. We need to have a top to bottom review 
of our public safety department and public safety includes not just police, but it's police, it's fire, it's EMS. And I look at it holistically to include everything that keeps you safe in your home and in your neighborhood. Hmm. I would have a community first public safety approach, which brings everybody to the table. Uh, That's faith leaders, that's local businesses, that's prosecutors, uh, social service providers, um, and the police, and make sure that Again, everyone is at the table because crime just does not stop at Skinker Boulevard or the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. So that means reaching out to our neighbors in the east and the west. Um, Because, you know, again, if we're serious about handling crime and, and and the reputation of our region, then I believe all the entire region needs to be at the table uh, to uh, uh, to address crime and public safety in for the region, not just for St. Louis. What do you think of the uh, big consultants report that's already come in that's looking at the department in a similarly holistic way? Would you use that um, as a starting point? I would use that. I mean, but how many reports have we have we put out uh, the region has, has the region put out in the last five or six years? Right. We had the Ferguson Commission report. We had the report from the Ethical Society of Police, uh, the uh, fire, which is the Black Firefighters Union, have also put out a report about equity in the department. Um, there's the uh, 2030 report. There's uh, the Health Equity Works report. We need to take all of those reports. It's a lot of reports. <laughs> right. Right. We don't need another one. Um, but let's take all of the ones that have been uh, that have been done and 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 chart a path forward um, and, and, and put together a strategic plan on how we're going to address all of the things that uh, these reports have revealed. And a lot of them have I see them as concentric circles because they're all uh, uh, talking about the same things. Mm-hmm. Let's chart a path forward, uh, put a strategic plan together with the uh, calls to action that identified in every report. And let's be serious about moving this region forward and making those uh, making the investments in what will move our region forward. So as you chart that path forward, would you keep Jimmy Edwards on as public safety director? This is assuming he'd want to continue to serve. If he wanted to serve, would you want him to stay on in that role as you do that charting? Uh, you know, I respect uh, Judge Edwards a lot, um, but, you know, I think everything has to be on the table, not just, you know, Judge Edwards as a as the director of public safety. We need to look at all of the uh, all of the directors uh, in the mayor's office. Um, you know, I think the mayor has a uh, has a opportunity to bring in people uh, that uh, that she wants to, you know, obviously chief of staff and, and other uh, other positions. Uh, so I would look at all of the positions and uh, and make uh, changes accordingly. So you haven't made a decision yet about how you'd feel about uh, Judge Edwards specifically? Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I, I respect Judge Edwards a lot, but I, the where the Pete, the place where we disagree the most is um, how he approaches public safety with the arrest and incarcerate model Mm -hmm. um, and the things that he has uh, advocated for in the state legislature uh, that I think are going in the wrong direction. Um, So, you know, I think that uh, it's incumbent upon uh, if, if I win uh, to make some major changes uh, and the Department of Public and the Public Safety Director is obviously a place where I'd make some changes. Okay. So you would make a change there. Um, this bigger picture issue of how do we deal with crime and this question of defunding the police, it's become such a buzzword, but there are some important ideas behind it. Would you say, if you had to answer yes or no, do you support defunding the police? 
Well, I would also, you know, uh, ask a question back, which is, do you think that the current system is working? And most people will say no, uh, mm -hmm. that the current system is not working. And, you know, calls to defund the police have echoed through every American city following the tragic deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and many others. And to me, defunding the police is about restructuring our public safety budget and putting the public back in public safety and investing the things that actually keep us safe. It's not abolishing the police. Mm -hmm. So we need to deploy the right type of professional to the right type of call so police can get back to doing police work and solving violent crime. Might that mean more social workers? You were talking about the cops and clinicians program um, that that uh, farms some of those calls out to people other than police. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It could be mental health uh, uh, counselors. It could be substance abuse counselors. It could be partnering with sobering centers. It could be um, a whole host of things, but we need to deploy the right type of professional to the right type of call. And we also need to staff up our 911 operators um, and make sure that they can triage those calls accordingly so uh, so we can avoid the type of, uh, uh, of interactions that often oftentimes end up deadly mm -hmm. uh, because St. Louis is unfortunately known for having more police killings per capita than any other city in the country. And those 911 calls, I'm glad you brought that up. That seems to be such a, a long standing problem in this city that there's not enough people to answer them or, or to answer them effectively. Do you have any idea why mm. that's continued to fester when it seems like such an obvious problem for somebody to tackle? Well, I, I also think that there are there's a problem with hiring, period. I, I've heard so many stories about how people apply for jobs with the city and they don't hear anything back for months. Mm -hmm. um, so let's take a look at our personnel and our hiring processes and, and make sure that we can get um, uh, some get good people in, in jobs that to work for the city. Um, and, and remember when we had the 50 waivers available for uh, people who uh, were lived outside of the city who wanted to be police officers, only one of those waivers was used. Mm -hmm. um, so how can we streamline our processes and our personnel department to make sure that we can hire good professionals uh, to work for the, to fill these open positions within the city? We had a question that came in through our St. Louis on the Air Facebook group. Matt writes, so far, every person who has run for mayor of a major city on a police reform platform has ended up siding with the cops. No city has made any progress on defunding the police without rolling it back under pressure from the police. How would you be different? Uh, first off, that's not true. Um, and I know who Matt is because he's asked me this question uh, <laughs> this personally. This is his go-to question. <laughs> <laughs> this is go-to question because um, we just saw just this week that Austin, uh, Texas, used money from uh, that that they quote unquote defunded the police. They they took money from overtime um, and a couple of other places in the police budget and used it to purchase a hotel for the homeless. Hmm. Uh, so, so they've done that's, it. Yeah, they've done it. And do you look at that model and say, okay, like I've, I've got the same stuff they've got in Austin. I can achieve this here. Yeah, I, I was appreciative of uh, of the article that said exactly where they took the money from. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, hmm, maybe we can look at, at those places in our budget because we all know that, you know, our overtime budget uh, has been a subject of the, uh, you know, of our most recent audit. 
Um, and also, you know, what do we all, what do we also do to um, redeploy our police and our staff and make and and, and right size the department? Uh, the the Teneo report also re, uh, revealed that uh, there are a lot of jobs that can be done by civilians that are being currently done by licensed officers. Hmm. So how can we um, adjust our staffing model? Uh, to uh, make sure that we have the right type of person and the right type of job within the public safety department and when the, within the police department. So that overtime budget, um, as you say, that has come up in some of these reports. And it seems like if you go for that overtime budget, there are going to be a lot of unhappy police officers. What would you say to police officers who are worried about what your mayorship would look like to them as individuals? I would say wait, uh, wait and see. You got to if you gave uh, uh, Miss Cruzan a chance, so you, I would say give me a chance to uh, to prove myself. We got another question. Uh, this is coming from Danny, who asked, "Do you think it's okay for protesters to protest outside the home of city officials, like what happened to Mayor Cruzan in in this incident that ended up um, leading to her naming them on camera? Obviously, you, we know how you feel about that. That was wrong. Yeah. But do you think it's okay for protesters to do that in front of an individual's private residence? You know, I've seen it happen uh, across the country, and and to a lot of my friends who are mayors uh, and. Uh, you know, people have the right to protest, and I just, I just pray that it's peaceful. And but you also have to consider their neighbors. Their neighbors didn't sign up for this, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I heard from uh, some of my friends who were Mayor Cruson's neighbors, who were, you know, really just beside themselves about being awakened every morning. You know, I think they were coming out of outside of her house at four or five in the morning. Oof. Uh, you have to consider her neighbors as well. Uh, and then that's what we have City Hall for. You know, I'm not against anyone's right to protest, but consider, you know, that person's neighbors and their neighborhood. Their neighbors didn't sign up, didn't run for mayor, just that person in their neighborhood did. Your neighbors may be the people who are rooting hardest uh, for you not to win this primary, huh? They don't, they don't <laughs> want those protesters on their doorstep. <laughs> They're rooting for me. I see, my, I see them with their signs in their yards. <laughs> that's great. You can prove it. They are they are on board for this. Well, that's... <laughs> yes. We're talking today to St. Louis City Treasurer Tashara Jones. This is part of a series of one-on-one interviews with all four mayoral candidates. We do need to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Welcome back. We're talking today to St. Louis City Treasurer Tashara Jones. She is the current treasurer. She's also one of four candidates who's running for mayor. And that primary race is coming up before you know it. It's actually March 2nd. That's one month from today. Approval voting. You can vote to approve as many candidates as you like. And uh, Tashara Jones is one of the people there on the ballot. Before we move on from the issue of public safety, which we have been talking about quite a bit here, and I'm I'm sorry about that. I know it's just one issue, but it's just so uh, on the forefront of so many people's minds. I want to ask you about the 
workhouse. Um, I know you've wanted to close it for years, but Mayor Krusen has said they can't close the workhouse right now without moving detainees farther from their families. How would you handle that issue in your first months as mayor? So I think we need to tell the people the truth, um, because I have I have on good authority that the workhouse. Tashara, are you still there? Um, Tashara, we seem to have lost the connection here, um, which I'm very surprised by because it was sounding so good. We're going to get that connection restored as quickly as we can. Um, Oh, I am told that Tashara may be back with us. Tashara, are you there? I'm here. My computer went off. I'm sorry. Oh, you know what? This is an occupational hazard in the time of COVID. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just bummed because I was really interested. I think like the last thing I heard before your connection died is you said something like, it's time we tell people the truth. We're talking about the workhouse. Yes. Uh, Okay. What is the truth here? Uh, The truth, uh, and I've gotten this from some really good sources, is that there is enough room uh, for our our current amount of detainees in the city justice center downtown. What we need to do is take a a good top to bottom review of uh, the people that we are currently detaining and why, which ones are eligible to be released on their own recognizance, which ones can be put in diversion programs like the circuit attorney has, uh, which ones are there because they can't afford bail. So we can abolish cash bail, cash bail, which ones are their own, you know, minor parole violations. Let's take a long, hard review of those. And then I think that afterwards we'll have an, we'll have enough space to put everybody in the Justice Center downtown. So but I'm also hearing that the Justice Center downtown needs some uh, needs some needs some work hmm. uh, before they can uh, uh put everybody in one facility. Okay. So these sources are suggesting that that maybe we're not hearing the full story about what's going on at the workhouse, but these same sources seem to think maybe downtown needs some work before we move everybody there. Is, is that fair? That's what I'm hearing. Interesting. Well, that issue, I know that's going to continue to be on the table here. Um, we also heard from Scott in Chesterfield. He, he gave us a call. We're not going to put him on the air. But he wonders, would it be more helpful to not use the term defund the police since it's too politically charged? Would you prefer terms like restructure or reorganize that might help bring conservatives in the area on board? What do you what do you make of that? I prefer to use re-envision or reimagine public safety. Hmm. So you're already uh, defund the police. That's not a that's not a phrase that you're going to to put to this. No, no, I I, I I've always used re envision or reimagine public safety because that's essentially what we're talking about uh, when when people say, well, that's essentially what I mean. <laughs> I know that some people mean abolish the police, but I mean re envision and reimagine public safety in the ways that I talked about before. Uh, Maggie from St. Louis also asked, she says police officers don't make a lot of money in talking about taking away overtime when they're already risking their lives for low wages. Would you take that into consideration what police are making now compared to their counterparts in the county? Do we need some parity there? Uh, you know, absolutely, because I know that people uh, get trained here and then go uh, work for someone else and make some more money. Um, and, and we have to take a look at all of our uh, for, for our entire budget, but we also have to keep in mind that we have a parity rule. Uh, anytime we make give police a raise, we have to give firefighters a raise. And so we need to see if our budget can absorb that. So I want to change gears here. I know you've clapped back publicly at some of the criticism you've faced as being racist or sexist. Has there been any criticism that has felt fair and that you feel like you've learned something from? 
Um, I mean, it, it, you know what, I, I can't think of too much that has been fair. I mean, when I think of how I've been treated, especially by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch editorial board, I will make a distinction there that it's been the editorial board and not the hardworking journalists uh, that are employed by the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do feel that untreat- that treatment has not been fair. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I also... Uh, consider it, uh, you know, hazard pay, you know, it's a part of, uh, it's a part of the job and, and it's a part of being a black woman in politics. And I don't have too many other colleagues uh, across the country um, in different elected positions that also haven't uh, received fair treatment from their uh, media outlets, uh, in particular, their editorial boards. Um, so, you know, it's, unfortunately, one of the scars of, of racism, uh, of being black in this country. What kind of relationship do you think you'd have with the Post-Dispatch if you were elected mayor? I have a great relationship with the uh, hardworking journalists um, at the Post-Dispatch. They know that, uh, you know, I or my staff are always available to answer their questions. Um, But the editorial board is going to do what it's going to do. And um, I guess they're going to continue and double down on it and that's unfortunate because the people deserve better. Um, and I believe that the, uh, the family uh, that, owned, that started this paper, the Pulitzers, deserve better. Um, but uh, they're going to continue on that path. So let them. So as far as the editorial board uh, goes, you don't see a thawing of relations anytime soon? I don't. I don't. What kind of relationship do you think you'd have with the Board of Aldermen? Um, I think that I am going to have a, a decent relationship with the Board of Aldermen. I'm going to try to build one that's based in mutual respect um, and to make sure that my door is always open um, for conversations uh, about their suggestions on you know, how to move forward. You know, I want to be a mayor that uh, supports, uh, supports some of their initiatives um, and, uh, and be a mayor that gets them hopefully to try to get them what they need and get out of the way as long as it's good for the people of of the city of the city excuse me do you support the idea of the city re-entering the county as its own municipality not a better together kind of plan here but we would be something like clayton um, where we would retain a mayor retain our own government but we'd lose the county offices you know i i support uh Looking at uh, all forms of, of reentry or or com- or some sort of combination, because what we have been doing isn't working, and it's the definition of insanity: doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. I will, however, say that uh, I have a great working relationship with Dr. Sam Page, um, and what we won't see uh, if elected is uh, different health directives or different. Um, different movement on things that are important to our entire region. Um, I think that it has been uh, really sad that we've seen that you could eat in the city, but you couldn't eat inside in the county. Um, And our our approach to COVID, uh, whether you were in the city or county, has been totally different. Mm -hmm. And we need to be unified on this because that's what keeps people safe. We're in the middle of a global pandemic and it's time out for, um, for, uh, Uh, having, you know, petty disagreements over whose idea was first or who got to the uh, to the press first. Um, You know, our people suffer uh, because of that. And and unfortunately, the first 12 people to die in St. Louis City were African-Americans. And we still die at a disproportionate rate 
uh, from COVID-19 than our other counterparts. Do you think the city would have been wise to do the stricter measures that the county has done at various points? I think the city would have been wise to stay on a uh, stay in sync with the county on on a lot of measures. Uh, and I think that we would have been safer. I, I also think that we should have had more coordination between our health departments. Um, I mean, think about, you know, a vaccination clinic that's sponsored by the county and the city health department that could have been, you know, at the um, at one of our stadiums or at the convention center. Um you know, that would have been huge for for the entire region, not just, you know, we we have we have to get out of our silos and break down these indivisible barriers that keep us from serving the people um, uh, uh, as a whole. So the St. Louis schools, uh, public school superintendent wants a moratorium on charter schools within the school district's borders. Is that something you support? Yes, I support the superintendent. Uh, Dr. Adams and I have a great working relationship, and I look forward to being a better partner with our school district. Um, and no other candidate has invested more in public schools than I have, I, especially through the College Kids Children Savings Account Program, which has over 18,000 children saving for their futures. Um, and I brought this idea to Dr. Adams uh, several years ago, and he was totally on board. Um, and unfortunately, since we can't be in the schools, we we try to read at least, you know, we try to zoom in and read books to the kids on financial literacy um, and uh, and and try to make sure that we are are being a good partner with the district and the treasurer's office. I would expand that to include uh, having more representatives from the school district on development boards uh, so they can have a seat at the table when incentives are being discussed uh, that could potentially take money away from the budget of uh, St. Louis public schools, as we've seen in the past. You want the city to join the county's special education district. How big of a priority is that? Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a big priority. Um, you know, I grew up with uh, a couple of aunts or no, two uncles and an aunt uh, that ha- that had special needs. Mm. And um, my family has always been uh, a, a, an advocate um, in this area. And um, unfortunately, we see one of the reasons why our we've lost uh, population is parents and families move to the county so they can get access to the special school district through the school districts in the county. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I see it as a natural step, as a natural progression. Um, and St. Louis City has shown that they will vote for tax increases when it comes to our children, uh, as seen when we uh, passed a, um, a recent proposition to increase teacher pay. Yeah. And, you know, even in this pandemic, people voted for that early childhood education uh, proposition. Exactly. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have another question that comes in through Facebook. Danielle asks, money is very limited in the city right now. Uh, Beyond police overtime, where would you cut the budget to accomplish these things that you want to do? Um, You know, we'd have to take a top to bottom review and an audit of uh, of where our sources and uses of funds are. Right. Uh, Because obviously our tax revenue is down Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and. And also in the treasurer's office, you know, we're the parking supervisor and we've had no events. I think this is our first event tonight uh, that we've seen since March of last year. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, it, we took a five million dollar hit to our budget um, uh, just from having no events. Uh, so, you know, and we also still don't know 
the uh, total picture of the next aid package from the federal government, mm-hmm. um, which Biden has proposed at $1.9 trillion, And I have been uh, part of some letters uh, of local elected officials around the country sent to the administration uh, to ask that the local aid gets sent directly to cities with populations of 500,000 or less. Mm. Since we're in we one of those saw- weird boats right there as, as the city right. without a county. Right, right. And then also um, making sure that those funds can be used to plug our budget holes. Uh, we still yet don't know what the uh, what our tax uh, situation is going to look like because, you know, a lot of people are still un- unemployed. And I'm assuming that, you know, they could not afford to pay their personal property taxes at the end of the year. Uh, so we still don't know what that picture is and earnings taxes. Everything's going to be down. Um, and uh, we'll have to see what that picture looks like. But I also see it as an opportunity uh, to right-size our government. Hmm. So we might see some cuts in, in many places, um, mm-hmm. sort of a, mm-hmm. a total re-envisioning, as you say. Right, right. We've already seen it in, in a hiring freeze. Uh, so we've had to save mo- We've been able to save money there by not hiring for any open positions. So... So I'm going to ask you three questions here. We have just a few minutes left, so I'm going to ask you to keep this short. Um, Hopefully these are answers that will lend themselves to shortness. What to you is the best thing about St. Louis? The best thing about St. Louis is our people. (laughs) That is a good short answer right there. What's the worst thing about St. Louis? Oh, the worst thing about St. Louis is we are a cheap city, not a poor city, but a cheap city. Hmm. We refuse to invest in the things that will move us forward. If you could sign an executive order on day one to make one simple policy change and that became law, what would it be? Um, That one simple policy change would be paid leave for city employees. They don't get paid leave right now. Well, I mean, paid family leave, right? We have, you know, we have the, the, the regular paid family leave through Mm -hmm. FEMLA, Mm-hmm. But the, you know, expanded paid leave for families, because we still have a lot of families that are suffering through COVID and kids at learning at home. And, you know, we've been as flexible as we can be in the treasurer's office uh, with understanding everyone's particular situation. Um, and I know that there's been some extended paid leave from the Biden administration, but we need to have paid extended paid leave for all families regardless going forward. And uh, just to clarify, would this be for city workers or this would be for any business located in the city? Uh, this is for city workers. Okay. Because that's all I can do with executive orders, you know, yeah. are limited. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I use the phrase executive order. You can't overact yeah. with those. So that's fair to say. Right. Right. <laughs> well, Tashara Jones, it's been great to talk to you today. Um, just in our, our last minute here, what's the thought you want to leave people with as they're trying to decide who they approve of in this uh, Prop D primary coming up in just one month? Great. So the thought that I want to leave with people is it's one thing to have a vision and a platform, but it's a whole different thing to turn that vision and platform into a reality. And that's exactly what I've done the last eight years in the treasurer's office. I'm the only candidate with the executive experience of turning a vision into a reality, the management experience of leading a staff of hundreds of people in a budget of millions of dollars, and the relationships on the state and national levels to put St. Louis back on the map. Well, Tashara Jones, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You can find out more at Tashara4Mayor.com. That's the numeral four. You can also find a podcast of our interview yesterday with candidate Andrew Jones. And tune in tomorrow at noon for our interview with Alderwoman Kara Spencer. 
This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.